0: Hello, fellow story champions, my name is Simon Brooks. Welcome to Lindy Line, a story podcast. Here you will find old stories, some written by the likes of Kipling and Robert Louis Stevenson, ancient folk and fairy tales retold for a modern audience of families, and original short stories I have penned myself. I will be retelling some of the classic folk and fairy tales and some of the stories you may not be familiar with. I'm taking you around the world with these tales, And there'll be some history too, you never know. Are you comfortable? Then sit back and listen. Once, when all creatures could understand one another and the realm of magic was as apparent as the swords worn and the Fae were still seen sprinkling fairy dust into the eyes of those who were to see them, there were stories. Are you comfortable? Then sit back and listen. It's June, and already the 7th. How did that happen? As the sun moves over the vacant lot next to the house, there is a swath of green and yellow as the dandelions open to the sun's rays. Somewhere not far away, someone is mowing a lawn. You might even hear it. Blue jays, cardinals, sparrows, juntos, robins, lots of robins, crows and ravens fly and dash past the window where I sit working. And looking forward, across the neighbour's lawn, I can look between the trees and into the woods. There, there are deer and bear, and quite possibly, according to recent reports, a bobcat. The fluffy animal kind, the red lynx, as opposed to a construction vehicle. Like a lot of folk tales, the one I'm going to share with you today takes place, in part, in the woods. Things happen in the woods Sometimes bad, sometimes not so bad. And sometimes people who you might think of as bad do good things. You may or may not have heard me tell the story of the Three Feathers. It's an Austrian variant of the devil with golden hair collected by the Grimm brothers, Jacob and Wilhelm. There is some academic discussion that the devil in this particular story is more ogre-like than devilish. And in the Austrian version, it's completely a different creature altogether. So in my version, this telling, my retelling of this story, we have an ogre and his ogress partner. I'm not sure if they're married or not. I'm not even sure if ogres get married. But they do share a home like two birds in a nest. This is my retelling of that same story, which I call The Three Golden Hairs. And it's a long one and I hope you will enjoy it. Once, an awful long time ago, there was a woodsman with little to his name other than an excuse of a house and a wife who loved him dearly and enough work to put food on their table. The time came when the woodsman's wife gave birth to a child with a membrane over its face. The midwife removed the call and smiled, handing the child to its mother, The good woman was overjoyed, but her husband didn't know how they would feed and clothe all three of them. "'Never you mind that,' said the midwife. "'Your son has a cowl, and that means he will have luck for all of his life.' "'Well, that's his life, not ours,' said the father. "'Don't you mind about that. He's our son, and he'll be fine, and we will be fine also.' The midwife nodded. "'Well, not only that. He'll marry a princess, too.' It was known that the midwife occasionally foretold the future. What king would let their daughter marry a woodman's son? But the woodsman knew he'd said all he could. It so happened that the queen of the region gave birth to a daughter. She was thrilled. The king, who had wanted a son, wished to know the future of his daughter, so asked the wise men, the seers, to foretell the girl's fortune in the world. Now, wouldn't you know, the king was told she would marry a woodsman's son. Well, this king did not want his daughter marrying a peasant boy. Well, of all the things, he said, that shall not happen. He sent out men to travel about the kingdom to discover who had recently given birth to a baby boy and bring to him any news of such a child. It took them a while to visit every village in the kingdom, but not only had they found a child but they had heard that the boy was lucky and it was said in the village that one day he would marry the princess. Well, that was all the king needed. He took the clothes of one of his advisers, his horse was saddled, he did nothing himself, and he rode off to where his men had said that this boy had been born. Coming to the house around dusk, he hallowed the house of the woodsman and his wife and dismounted. The good woman came to the door. She curtsied, and the king bowed. I'm afraid I'm lost and tired. I don't know if you can spare a stranger some food and drink in a bed for the night. The king pulled a gold coin from his purse and handed it to the woman. I think we can. Come in. The good woman busied about, called to her husband to help, as the baby needed feeding. The king watched as a meal was prepared, and a poor meal it was too, but it was all they had. It seems this child could be a burden on you. The king pushed the food he was offered around on the plate and took a small bite. He is ours and we are grateful. He is a lucky child too. The good woman looked at her husband and he knew to be quiet. Is that so? My wife has always wanted a child and we've never been blessed. That child looks strong. I have an idea. Let my wife and I raise the child. Adopt to the boy as our own he'll be well taken care of the king reached into his purse once more and tossed a couple of gold coins on the table the husband reached for the coins see what luck he has my dear he will be raised by a lord a gentleman his future is assured while the king slept in their bed the good woman and the woodsman talked long into the night the husband won the conversation and the gold coins and the king rode off with the child, sleeping in a wooden box that was a child's cradle. At the first river he came to, the king tossed the box into the water and rode on. There, his future is assured. But not so. Don't worry. The box stayed upright, despite the good toss the king had given it, and it floated downstream to catch in a weir. Next to the weir lived a miller and her husband, Now, they had been wanting a child, and had not yet been given one. And the couple saw this as a blessing, and raised the child as their own. Not quite as a gentleman or a lord, but in a good family as you can imagine. Well, the good woman's son became the miller's son, and he knew nothing about it. He was raised well, taught good manners and sense, and to respect those around him. One day, the king was out hunting and stopped by the weir to refresh himself. The miller's son was working outside and the king told one of his advisers to call the boy over to bring some refreshment. The boy ran indoors and got his mother and father. Together, they put some food on a plate, cheese, bread of course, and a few apples that they had brought, and brought it all out to the royal party. The adviser looked the boy over. A Strapping young man like you should be in the army. How old is he? He's fifteen, sir, but he's needed around here at the mill. My husband and I are getting older and we need his help more and more. Large for a fifteen-year-old. Thank you for the food, you may go. Thank you, sir. Wait, cried the king. He looked the boy up and down, and then at the river. Is he your child, your son? Oh, yes, your majesty. You gave birth to him. "'Well?' The miller paused and shuffled her feet, looking at the boy and then at the ground before her. "'It's as if he came from my womb. "'What do you mean, woman?' The miller explained how the child had been found in the weir, and that she and her husband had taken the child for their own. "'Now I need to send a letter to the Queen.' The paper was brought to the king along with ink and quill. He wrote hurriedly. "'Wax was warmed up, the paper folded, and the king's seal placed over it. "'Boy, do you know where the castle is?' the young man nodded. "'Then take one of my horses and take this to the queen. "'Don't stop until it is delivered.' "'He turned to his men. "'Let us ride.' "'One of the king's servants gave their horse to the boy "'and followed the retinue off into the woods to continue hunting. "'The boy rode off in the other direction, to the castle.' The way was long and it was hard, and when darkness fell and the boy was still in the woods, he became turned around, but he saw a light and followed it. He came to a large cabin, a ratty rough building barely standing, and there was light coming from the windows and smoke from the chimney. He quietly knocked on the door which was quickly opened by an old woman. The lantern she held was bright in the boy's eyes. "'Who are you, and what are you doing here?' she asked. "'Oh, good evening, Grandmother,' he said out of respect for the woman. "'Forgive me for intruding at this late hour. "'I have a letter for the king that I must deliver to the queen, "'but have become lost in the darkness. "'I am so weary I cannot find my way. "'Could you please direct me in the direction of the castle?' "'Oh, the paths through this part of the forest are too twitchy to follow at night. "'Come inside.' "'The boy tethered his horse and followed the woman.' The inside was as bad as the outside. Pointing at the long wooden table, the woman went to a pot and fetched out some stew, dropping it into a bowl. She placed it before the lad now sitting on the table's bench and told him to eat, which he did, with gusto. As he ate, she walked over to the beds, which lined the one side of the cabin. She pulled a few blankets off two of the beds and laid them on the floor. I'll wake you at dawn and tell you the way to the castle. Now if you hear anything or wake during the night, stay still and don't move. This is a hideout for my sons. Sadly, they are thieves. Be still and nothing will happen." As the boy ate, they talked, and she discovered he was not a paid messenger, but a miller's son, sent on an errand. Despite the warning that this was a house of robbers, The boy was so tired he was soon fast asleep, and so deep was the sleep he did not hear the five men enter the house. "'Who's that sleeping there by our fire?' asked the oldest of the men. "'Oh, just a messenger for the king. "'He has a letter for the queen and got lost in the dark. "'Leave him be, he's just a miller's lad.' The men walked over to the boy sleeping soundly and looked down on him. The eldest picked up his bag. "'I've always wondered what a king might write to his queen.' "'He drew his knife and heated it on the fire, "'then slid the blade under the wax seal, "'opening the letter with care. "'He handed it to the youngest. "'Read it.' "'The young boy looked carefully at the paper, "'reading it to himself first, "'and then out loud to the others. "'To Her Majesty the Queen, "'the bearer of this letter should be put to death immediately. "'His Royal Highness the King.' The brothers looked at one another and at the face of the miller's son. That's a rude trick. Let's rewrite this letter. Do you think you could write so it looks like this? The oldest brother waved the letter in the air. Yeah, I can at least try. So the youngest found his quill and ink, and a piece of paper was found, and he copied the style of the king's writing. That'll put the wind up in when the king gets back from his hunting trip. The eldest brother warmed the knife up and slid the king's seal onto the new letter. After their mother spooned out their stew and they had eaten their fill, the five brothers went to bed. They were still sleeping when the miller's son awoke. The thief's mother led his horse away from the house. I wish my lads had turned out like you, but they had a rotten father. Led them into all sorts of trouble he did. I hope you have better luck than they do. She pointed between a couple of large oak trees standing twenty feet apart. See those towering broad beauties? The young man laughed and nodded. Head between those and you'll come to a path. Follow it in the direction of the rising sun and you'll come to the main road and head north on that. It comes to the city and the castle. Good luck. Thank you for everything. The young boy rode off to his fate. The miller's son arrived at the castle and was led to the queen. He knelt on his knee before both the princess and the queen, passed the letter to a man at arms, who passed it to a maid in waiting, who was told by the queen to read it aloud, which she did. To her majesty the queen, this boy has done me great service. Marry him to our daughter immediately, His Royal Highness the King. The princess, shocked, looked at the miller's son and back at her mother. We don't even know the lad. The miller's son kept his head bowed down but flushed bright red. All he did was bring out some drinks and sandwiches for the king's party. It hardly warranted marriage to the princess. The queen sighed. It's the king's orders, my dear. Stand up, whatever your name is. The queen turned and looked the miller's boy up and down. Well, tell us about yourself and you, she pointed to one of the guards. Bring some food for us and good wine. The miller's son impressed the queen and princess which made the marriage a little easier. Not many people were there. The Queen said a proper celebration could happen when the King returned. It seemed all the Queen's favourites were there, though. So, the good woman's son, who had been the miller's son, became a prince. He was given fine clothes, learned about the court very quickly. He found out who he could talk to and to whom he should not share anything with. The Queen and her daughter were good teachers. The Princess grew more and more fond and, dare I say it, came to fall in love with the man that she had been forced to marry. When the king returned a month later to find the lad not only alive but married to his daughter, he asked to see the letter. He saw immediately that it was not his hand but a fair copy. He sat alone and pondered before calling the new prince to him. You have done well. Unfortunately, you were married to my daughter. Before completing the task, I had thought I had set for you. "'It seems my wife, the queen, took quite a shine to you and forgot all about it. "'So you shall do it now. "'You are to get three golden hairs from the ogre's chin.' "'The prince nodded. "'Inside he was shaking. "'The ogre to which the king was referring to did indeed have golden hairs upon his chin. "'He was clever, astute, well-educated in the way of woodland ways and magic, "'and he ate people. "'Off you go and good luck.' It will be a shame now that you are married to my daughter to fail the test. To keep this long story from being too long, the new prince passed through three small towns, and at each the gatekeeper asked what kind of craft he practised and what he knew, and at each gate he would reply the same thing. I'm a miller's boy and prince, and what I don't know I learn quickly. At the first town gate he was asked the duke's daughter in that town, what was wrong with her? She was deathly ill. At the second gate he was asked why the well they had had stopped flowing. At the third he was asked why the fig tree next to the gate was dying. He replied to each and all, I will find out and let you know when I return, and off he travelled. The prince, he came to a great cave. To one side there was a pool which was fed by an unseen spring, To the side of the huge cave, an elm tree grew, and the cave entrance was still taller than the tree. The prince coughed at the dark smoke billowing from the cave and wiped his stinging eyes. The smell of cooking meat was strong. He stood in the cave entrance trying to see into the darkness, his eyes watering, the stench of burnt meat filling his nose. Hello? Is anyone home? The ground shook a little. And a large woman appeared. And by large, I mean she was close to seven feet tall and strong-boned. What are you doing here, my lovely? I'm sorry to bother you, grandmother, but the king has sent me on an errand with your husband, if, that is, I am in the right place. Does a, um, does a tall gentleman live here? Maybe of similar height to yourself? Uh, My husband, yes. You lot usually call us ogres, but you called him a gentleman. I like that. That makes me a lady, don't it? It does indeed, lady. So what do you want? Three of his golden hairs from his chin, if at all possible. (laughs) The lady ogres burst out laughing. She clutched at her sides and bent over. Tears streamed down her face. Cor, you've got a good sense of humour, don't you? I I also have, if, if it's not too much trouble, four questions for him. Come on then, what are they? Well, um... There's a town about three days' ride from here where the duke's daughter is deathly ill and no-one seems to know what's wrong with her or can help her. About two days' ride away, there's a town whose well is not working, and in a town on the same road about a single day from here, there's a fig tree that suddenly stopped producing fruit. I was wondering if you and your husband might know the answers to any of these problems. Well, I can't say I do. You're a nice, polite young lad, and it seems you mean well. I would hate to have to cook you up. If I change you into an ant, I will ask my man those questions, and I'll try to get those hairs from his chinny-chin-chin, although that might be a bit tricky. And before the lad could agree or decline, he was turned into an ant, and the ogress picked him up carefully and placed him into the folds of her skirt, and none too soon either, as the ogre himself returned. The ogre sniffed, "'and snuffled about the cave. "'What you doing? Got hay fever or something? "'Blow your nose and stop sniffing. "'Come and sit down, there's stew here for you.' But "'I can smell flesh. Fresh flesh.' "'Well, it was fresh flesh, but I'd uncooked it all now. "'Here you go.' "'Placing a bowl of the stew in his outstretched hands, "'she rubbed his head and ran her fingers over his cheek to his chin. "'I do like these.' She took hold of and wiggled one of the golden hairs sticking out from the ogre's chin. Oh, stop that! But the ogress pulled hard and plucked it out. Oh, now you might not make fun of me when I pluck my eyebrows again, will you? The ogre called out in pain and rubbed his chin, while his wife gave him a kiss on the forehead before eating her own helping of stew. After the meal, they climbed up onto a rock ledge and lay snuggling together underneath a heavy bearskin. The ogress ran her fingers over the knobbly top of the ogre's head. So I had some strange dreams last night, and I never got to tell you about them. They were very riddlish, and I know you like riddles. Maybe you could answer them for me. Why, yes, I do. Come on, then. What are they? Still holding the one plucked golden hair from his chin between her fingers, she smiled and said, i dreamt there was a duke's daughter who was deathly sick and no one could cure her, and a well in a town that had run dry for no reason, and a fig tree that had stopped giving fruit. Any ideas? Hmm, that's really odd. All those things are real, too. In my travels, I've heard about them. The princess, well, there's a white frog under her bed. Get rid of it and she'll be better. And the well, hmm, there's a white stone at the bottom of that. Take out the stone, bury it somewhere else, far from anyone, and the well will fill with the most clear sweet water you can imagine. And that fig tree has a white mouse nibbling at the roots. If they frighten the mouse away, the figs will start to grow. Ah, is that everything? He scratched his head. Yeah, that's a lot. Weird you had those dreams. But all this thinking is making me drowsy. I think I will go to sleep. At this point, the window shook with the snoring of the ogre. Very carefully, the ogress slipped from beneath her husband, found a huge pair of shears, scissors, and with great care cut off three hairs and placed them on the table. The ogress parted the folds of her skirt and found the ant, which was really the prince. Taking him tenderly with her nails, set him on the table and turned him back to his young man's self. Wow, that was crazy, the prince whispered. I was an ant, I had six legs, six legs, and I didn't know what to do with all of them. You know when you go to sleep and your arms are just, yes, 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 I know, but there's are the golden hairs for you and you heard the answers, right? I, I did, thank you so much for the help, I greatly appreciate it. Oh, and when I was looking as an ant, everything was like, yeah, 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 go on, off you go. He might wake up at any moment, scram, and don't come back. I might cook you up if you do come back again. The prince ran to his horse, hidden behind some bushes. I was only kidding. I wouldn't cook you up, the ogress called from the cave entrance. He's such a polite boy, a miller's lad, and got made a prince too. Will wonders never cease? From in the cave came a grumbling noise. What was that, my dear? My chin's really itchy. I think I got bitten by a horsefly. The prince, the miller's son, rode quickly back home. At the first town he came to, the gate guard recognised him. "'Here, you're that smarty-pants who knew what was wrong with the fig tree. Stop! The Lord Mayor is really upset about it. When he heard that you knew and I'd let you ride on, he was very cross with me. Come on, tell us!' The guard had been shouting somewhat, and people began to appear to see what the commotion was all about. The prince looked about as people crowded around. The Lord Mayor came skipping along. Oh, hey-ho, there you are. <laughs> are you the man that can fix the tree? I-, I hope so, said the Prince. A mouse is gnawing at the roots, and if you get rid of it, the tree will start giving you fruit again. A shovel, a shovel, my fiefdom for a shovel. Oh, thank you. The Lord Mayor began digging, saw the mouse, and raised the shovel to kill it. Wait, cried the Prince. You could get a cat, and that will keep the mice away. Oh, marvellous idea. No point in killing this if others will return. Thank you so much. Look, I really do love this tree, and the fruit is so delish. Uh, What can I give you in return for your help? The prince thought for a moment, thinking of the king and his wife that he was returning to, and said, "Um, If it's not too much trouble, a troop of soldiers might be pretty handy. Oh, of course. The Lord Mayor rounded up his small army, and had sixteen soldiers join the young man, and off they marched with the prince at the head. They came to the next town, and the guard stopped him there. Well, Hoy you? you! You took off without letting us know about our well. The man in charge is not a happy camper,' he signalled to another soldier who went running off. And when he returned, a very serious and important-looking person was with the soldier. "'Sir, you're the young lad who thinks he knows what's wrong with our well, are you?' Uh, "'Yes, sir. I hope so, sir. At the bottom of the well, there could possibly be a white stone. If that is lifted from the well... Um, Then it should refill, but you need to move the stone far, far away from the well. Well, wait here, lad, and let's see if that's true. The man ordered some other officers about. A ladder was procured, but it wasn't long enough, so the guard who had stopped the prince was lowered on a rope. When he called out, he was hoisted up, much to his relief, carrying a large white stone. The prince then told them to bury it far from the people, and as he said this, they could hear the well filling up. It wasn't long before it reached the top, and the very important man took a sip. "'Well, it tastes even better than before. "'Now you shall be rewarded for this. "'You have saved the town. "'What would you like?' The prince had been thinking a lot about the king and his bride, and the more he thought about it all, he wondered if his father-in-law was hoping he would not return from visiting the ogre. No one had before. The prince wondered why he had not thought of that. "'Could you spare a regiment of cavalry?' ''Yes, I think so.'' The very important man shouted some more, and a regiment appeared. One hundred men and women on horseback, and a couple of cannons. ''Wow,'' mumbled the prince. ''Thank you.'' He turned his horse and led his small army back to his sweetheart. But before he got there, there was one more town to go through. Leaving his soldiers and cavalry to amuse themselves, he visited the duke, whose daughter was sick. ''I have a cure for your daughter.'' the prince told the duke. There is a white toad or or, or a white frog under the bed, and if it's removed, she will be returned to her full health. The duke went to see his daughter, had someone look under the bed, and sure enough, there was a white frog. It was removed. The duke did not like frogs. Slimy things with black eyes. And the young woman awoke and was fine. The overjoyed duke asked the prince what he would like in return. As the young man looked about, He saw this was a very wealthy city indeed. Um, I don't suppose you would be able to give me four wagons filled with gold, would you? My daughter is worth far more than four wagons of gold. Of course I can do that for you. The prince led the soldiers and cavalry with their cannons and the four wagons of gold to the king's castle, to his wife, his true love. He asked his companions to wait at the city gates and he entered the castle, holding the three golden hairs tightly in his fingers. He approached the king. Here are the three golden hairs from the chin of the ogre. Well, that's all very well and good, but, but what, your majesty? I risked everything to do as you have asked. The prince walked over to a window and whistled. In came the cavalry, along with the guns. Then in came the soldiers. The prince called for the princess and told her what was going on both of you stop being ridiculous this man is my husband and i love him and so does mummy but in a different way and everyone likes him but you maybe you should leave the king was more than taken aback by his daughter he looked at his own guards who shrugged their shoulders and nodded well i see how it is and i shall leave this terrible place never liked it anyway too many flowers trees and birds making a racket he packed up his jewels he packed up his clothes and furniture filling seven wagons and then he took his favourite sword and other knick-knacks, filling another wagon and set off. No one knows where he went, or what became of him. The Queen gave over ruling to her daughter and her son-in-law, who, after sending the cavalry and soldiers back to their homes, used the gold to help those in need by starting up small businesses. The Queen and the Princess, not overly keen on jousting and fighting and the like, they heavily promoted the arts. And if they didn't live happily ever after after all that, then they blooming well should have. The end. Well, if you're still up for doing something, or maybe doing something over the weekend, maybe you could look at different types of font characters and see if you can copy them. Or maybe try copying a drawing of something, and it's okay if it doesn't look quite right. Everyone has their own style, so create something new. If you listened to this story with siblings or friends, maybe you could each do a picture of the ogre without looking at each other's work and then when you finished you could see how different everyone's imagination is. Or maybe you could try to copy each other's handwriting like the thieves did with the letter from the king. Don't forget to give the ogre, if you do a drawing of him, some nice golden hairs on his chinny chin chin. I like to imagine him and the ogress walking over the hilltops, hand in hand, being all smoochy together as the sun slowly sets. I wonder what they might whisper in each other's ears. The Three Golden Hairs, originally by Grimm, retold by myself, Simon Brooks. Tale number 29, Tale Types 461, Three Hairs from the Devil. And 930, Prophecy that a poor boy will marry a rich girl. Well, thanks for listening to Lindy Line a Story Podcast. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. By simply subscribing and telling your friends about this podcast will help. But also, please leave a review on Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to this, as it helps others find these stories. Most podcasts have advertisers. We don't. If you want to drop the price of a dog biscuit for Mo and the cost of a cup of tea for me, that would be lovely. It's hungry work in the woods. You can also become a patron, and pay as little as $1 to as much as you think it was worth. If you become a Patreon patron at www.patreon.com forward slash Simon Brooks, you get extra resources and outtakes. You might even see a photo or two of Mo, my wonderful rescue dog, and photographs of our adventures together. Hashtag In the Woods with Mo. Once, when all creatures could understand one another, and the realm of magic was as apparent as the swords worn, there were stories. I hope you enjoyed today's story. This is where my telling ends.